Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 104 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello, hypnosis friends, and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. It's the new year. It's a new year episode, the first of the year. May old acquaintance be forgot and all that. Uh, Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a wonderful show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you this week's interview with my guest, Kathy Groover. Then we'll have this week's hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured, offering up some personal subjective commentary on the ways that hypnosis is portrayed in the media. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Kathy Groover. We'll be talking about Kathy's approach to using visualization mental imagery methods uh, um, in conjunction with hypnosis for advanced healing. Um, we'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. Um, As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted in the episode notes section at iTunes and on each episode's page on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do go give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes or be a BFF if you do. Um, It takes just a few seconds and a couple of clicks to give us a favourable rating and does us a huge amount of favours. So on to today. Uh, First of all, today is this week's interview with my guest, Kathy Groover. And this Groover spelt with a U, not with a double O. Um, and what a cool surname, Groover. Uh, I met Kathy last year and uh, we were sat beside each other during a lecture and we ended up passing notes to each other uh, about things completely unrelated to the lecture that we were in. I, I mean, they were related to our work, though, you know, fear not. Uh, we hadn't descended uh, into into passing around notes saying, uh, Johnny Faraday fancies you, tick here if you fancy him back, that type stuff. Um, anyway, I had a look at Kathy's website, I watched the TED talk that she gave, and also saw that she had some, some IMDB listings, um, and, and I, enjoyed, uh, I, I enjoyed reading that she does trapeze, and I thought, well... I've got to get her on the show. So I invited Kathy to come, be a guest on the show. She agreed. The rest is history, as they say. You're going to learn plenty more about Kathy in the first part of this show with our usual interview section. So without further ado, right, let's get on with it, shall we? For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. (music) 
So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome this week's guest on Hypnosis Weekly, the one and only Kathy Groover. Kathy, welcome to Hypnosis oh, Weekly. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So, um, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. You know, um, um, tell us how you got into this field, what your background is, and how you've arrived at where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I have a really varied background, as I'm sure a lot of your guests do. Uh, mm. Of all things, I started out as a theater major. I was an actor for many, many years, but there was always this parallel of healing and performing. Um, I studied massage very accidentally when I was in college. And that is something that stuck with me the entire my entire life. So I had these parallel paths of performing, but yet I was doing massage on the side. And eventually it shifted so that I was doing massage full-time and the acting sort of fell away. Yeah. And in an effort to help more people, to reach more people, I started adding other modalities to my massage practice. So though I still do some massage, I added in things like Reiki and herbs and homeopathics, and uh, I added hypnosis. I started playing with hypnosis when I was in high school. I just thought it was a really fun thing. I was always fascinated by it, uh, whether it was just relaxing people or doing, you know, balloons and books or past life regression. Um, I would spend Friday nights in college hypnotizing my friends while everybody else was out, you know, partying and getting drunk. So I was, I was that person. I was a little odd, uh, and it just, I slowly incorporated that more and more into my practice. And I officially studied about five years ago so that I could add. You know, as a professional with the credentials, hypnosis to my to my practice. So it's it's one of my favorite things. I love doing it. I love doing yeah. it. So that's that's how I followed that uh, that sort of winding path of breadcrumbs to where I am now. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's quite a uh, it's quite um, um, a fast rise that you had then. You know, um, um, which which I think is wonderful um, and speaks volumes about you. Tell us. Just tell us a little bit about about where you're at as far as hypnosis is concerned. You know, um, um, how do you how do you define hypnosis if you do, and and how have you arrived at that? And and you know, how do you explain hypnosis to your clients or or people that ask you and so on? Yeah, you know, that gets really complicated because when we look at hypnosis in the media, you know, you get movies like Get Out where uh, people think they're going to fall into the floor and they're going to be trapped in this state or, yeah. you know, movies where you're going to give your PIN number and you're going to go, you know, <laughs> take out somebody in the government and, and you know, the, we might you know, prefer if that happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what hypnosis is. Uh, so I, I find that I have to sort of unexplain the media in order to explain hypnosis. And literally, I did this yesterday. I had asked one of my massage clients if he'd ever been hypnotized. And he said, oh, no, the thought of losing control and being completely unconscious just scares me. And I said, wow, that would scare me, too. That's not what hypnosis is. <laughs> I said, I said you're, not, you're not. He goes, well, aren't you asleep? And I said, well, no, though we often use the word sleep, uh, you're not actually unconscious. You're going to hear what I'm saying to you. You're going to remember what I'm saying to you. So I define hypnosis it's a really deep state of relaxation where we can get into the unconscious subconscious and actually make the changes that we want to make, whether it's I just had someone who had a fear of driving around uh, curves on you know, like mountains where you could go off the edge and, and, and perish. Uh, he had just developed this deathly fear of that or flying or small spaces or anxiety or you know soccer performance I just worked with a girl on her sports performance so I said it's a way to tap into those unconscious spaces and really optimize our lives 
Yeah. So that's pretty much how I define define yeah. hypnosis. And then I have to, you know, make people assure them I'm not going to make them cluck like a chicken or, you know, all that good stuff because everyone still thinks that happens. And and I can kind of blame stage hypnosis a little bit for that because that's their other exposure is yeah. seeing people do silly, embarrassing things on stage, which I then have to assure I will not make them do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and tell us a little bit about your influences, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, who, who are some of the major influences upon you within the field? Um, are, are there any kind of books and authors as well that have taught you the most, teachers that have taught you the most and been most influential upon you? And, um, and perhaps you could explain a few reasons why. You know, I attended a school here in the States called HMI, um, and there was a, uh, an instructor there named Cheryl O'Neill, who she did a lot of work with visualization and a lot of work with some of the medical stuff that I do. She was a huge influencer. You know, Shelly Stockwell, who, again, she's here in the States, she's probably forgotten more than I know. I mean, she's just brilliant in what she does, and she's just got this crazy, wacky personality, and so many times she's She's watched me do my talks, and she said, you remind me of me, and I kind of go, thank you, um, because she's just she knows so much about, about the field. You know, I just take little – I couldn't even tell you, Adam, who most of the people are that I've either read or I've watched online. Um, you know, I take – I, I look at the world as a buffet, <laughs> and I pull little pieces from everything, and this is one of the things I enjoy about going to – being at the, the UK Hypnosis Conference and going to Hypno Thoughts, and I, I sit in on people's sessions, and if I walk away with one little tidbit, one little technique, or one deepener, or one phrase that I like, you know, I just kind of grab from everybody, and because I'm newer to the field, I'm still this open book of – um, just curious about everything. And that's one of the reasons I've been studying so much is I want to, I don't want just one way. I want to pull from every source I can find to create what's going to be the best combination of stuff for my clients. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm neat, neat. You know, that's, that's, that's nice to hear. I, um, I met Shelley actually for the first time, um, um at, this, at the UK hypnosis convention where I met yourself and uh, yeah. she seemed, she seemed very lovely indeed. Um, um, tell me about um, tell me what's what's been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed. Yeah, I, I had a client call me in a panic. She was brand new. She said, "I've been referred to you by somebody, and I have developed this horrible fear of driving more than fifteen miles away from my house." Mm. And I said, okay. And which is interesting because how does your body know it's 15 miles? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. the other thing. You know, it's like it could be 10, it could be 30. I don't know. Um, and I said, okay, well, you know, we can work on that. She said, well, the problem is I'm leaving in two days for a business trip and I'm going to have to drive about 400 miles the first day in Utah. Now, she lived in California. So not only was she going to be getting on a plane and going to a whole other state, which is clearly more than 15 miles away from her house, she was then going to have to rent a car and drive in an area she'd never been and do pretty much driving the entire day. I said, you're leaving when? She said, two days. I'm like, oh, no. So I clear a little bit of time. I brought her into my office. I'd never met this woman before. And I thought, man, this has got to be one and done. Like, I have one opportunity to get this right. Or this woman's going to have massive panic attacks the second she gets in this rental car. And so we talked literally for like an hour and 15 minutes before I could figure out exactly what to do with this woman. Uh I finally got her in state. We did everything. I set an anchor with a seatbelt. I put her into a deep state of relaxation. We did um, 
the circle therapy. I mean, like I threw everything at this woman I could think of and she got up. I said, how are you feeling? She said, I don't know. I said, okay. I said, I want you to right now get in the car. I want you to click your seatbelt a couple times, set that anchor of this relaxation. I said, you have to do your job, your part on this. This is not just me. Um, and I sent her off. And I didn't hear from her for like a week. And I thought, oh, no, she's probably like trapped in Utah. She can't get home because she's terrified. And finally, after she gets back from the trip, I get this phone call. And I was a little – I'm like, oh, I'm, I almost didn't want to take her call, right? It's a little scary. And I said, so how would you do? <clears throat> and she said, Kathy, I got stuck in a torrential rainstorm. I said, oh, no. She goes, I got lost three times. She said, my car actually got stuck in uh, – the, the mud from the rain, I had to call AAA, and I'm listening to all of this horror, and I finally said, yeah, but how'd you do? And she goes, I kicked ass. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, really? She had no panic. She had no fear, even with all those obstacles that were thrown up, even with those things that, you know, for someone that doesn't have a fear of driving, that would have freaked them out, you know, in the rain, getting stuck, uh, getting lost, you know, driving around this area she didn't know. And she actually completely, she went from her description of pure panic was how she described it to I kicked ass. And to me, that was just amazing. Like, oh, my God, one session on something that freaky for her so I was so proud of her for doing the work and I, I was pretty proud of myself for like getting getting it right that one time because you know we don't always get it right the first time no. uh, at least I don't so um, I was really excited about that and it really it really gave me a little more confidence in my skill as a hypnotist you know I mean I've been doing massage for 30 years that I got down I know I can get you out of pain hypnosis because it's newer for me uh, there's still occasionally that uh, I don't know if I'm going to get this right. <laughs> you know, so she was, she was just an amazing example. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I mean, I mean, that, 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 that's amazing to hear. Um, um but it, it kind of doesn't surprise me, you know, because you know, when I was, when I was doing my homework, my preparation for this, for this episode, you know, and I was kind of busy Googling you and running through your website and having a look, you know, you know, you're one of the few people within our field who actually has her own Wikipedia page. I was thinking, Whoa, and um, um, and then when you go through your website and and I mean even at your Wikipedia page, you know you've been prolific with with publications and 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 the media within the media, and you know you and you've given TED talks and done you know you know a whole load of stuff. Yet you're communicating with an incredible amount of humility, and 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 and, and heck, you do you do you do trapeze and stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, so it, it kind of doesn't surprise me that, 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 that you've kind of, you know, done so much, you know, looking at what you've done, um, that you've that you've traveled so far, metaphorically speaking, within um, um, the past five years within this field, for example. And within that time, you know, if, uh, based upon what you've learned and what you've been doing and this kind of prolific way that you've been working, if you could go back to when you started out as a, a hypnotherapist, a hypnosis professional, um, and knowing the stuff that you know now over these years, you know, is there anything you do differently? And if so, what is there any advice the person you are today would give that younger you that you'd extend to, to the guys that tune into the show regularly? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I would go into it with more confidence uh, because I had, I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I kind of fooled around with this in high school and college. So it wasn't completely new to me. You know, yeah. I've been using self-hypnosis for decades, uh, but there, I, I was talking to um, Ken Guzzo, who's the, the smoking guy. And I said, you know, I, I, the smoking thing kind of scares me. I don't want to work with people with smoking. And he said, well, why? And I said, well, that's a clear 
yes or no. Someone comes to you, I want to quit smoking. Either they do or they don't. You know, that, that's a clear win or lose on that from, the, from the, the therapist perspective. I said, if somebody has anxiety and you drop the anxiety by 30%, that's a win. So there was this gradient of success that you could measure as opposed to the, yes, I'm a smoker. No, I'm not a smoker. And he kind of laughed and he said, Kathy, you can do this because I've known Ken for years. Um, so taking that advice and also looking at the success I have had with my clients, including some smoking cessation stuff, uh, I think I would just say, relax, let go. You got this. You know, I take what I do very seriously. This is one of the reasons that sometimes the media drives me crazy because, like I said, I have to undo what everyone's perception is of hypnosis before I even get them in the chair. Um, but I think I would have a little more confidence. I think I would say, you know, you've been in this similar fields for decades. You know what you're doing. Just go for it. Be confident about it. I think I would have gone with a little more verve and enthusiasm um, and not quite as much hesitation because it, it did scare me the first couple clients I had. Um, and if, ever, if who's listening remembers back to your first couple clients, it's a little scary to, you know, what if they don't go under and what if their arm doesn't go down or up or whatever it's supposed to do? You know, so I think I would just have a little more confidence in it um, yeah. since – since I've been doing other things for so long so well. But if I think back 30 years, I'm sure my first couple of massages were a little hesitant too. You know, it's, you forget what it's like to be a beginner at things sometimes. I mean, that, um, um, it, that just sounds nuts to me. That sounds nuts to me that, that, that you, of, of all people, would, would struggle with confidence. You know, I mean, you communicate so confidently, um, both in person and, and here, here now, you know, on, online while we're chatting. Um, 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 you know, we didn't we didn't kind of plan to have this discussion, but 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 is there something is there something that you think has been key to you being able to make such progress in such a short period of time? I know off air we mentioned uh, and, and you mentioned that you know you you often liked talking about marketing and so on. Is there uh, something that that's at the heart of that's been at the heart of your approach that you think has contributed to? to your success um, in, in a relatively short period of time. You know, I, I think you're kind of in a place that a lot of hypnotherapists would like to be in. Um, I'm, I'm, is, there, is there anything you think that's responsible for that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things, you know, I'm really well known in this community already. I'm known as one of the best massage therapists in town. So then it was an easy leap to, oh, cool, Kathy's doing hypnosis now. I know her, I trust her, or I've been to her as a massage person, you should try her as a hypnotherapist. People assume if you're good at one thing, you're good at everything. And that might have been, excuse me, um, that might have been some of the pressure I was feeling as well as I'm known as so good as A, oh shoot, now I have to be just as good at B. Um, so that might have been, now that I'm talking to you about this, that might have been a little of my, oh man, I'm supposed to be good at everything, only child issue that I have. Uh, regardless of that, I think part of it is, you know, I'm a really good marketer and I, I take what I do as a business very seriously. And I know a lot of people who are great practitioners, they're great healers, they're great hypnotists, chiropractors, acupuncturists, whatever it is, and they're really not so good at business. They don't know how to market themselves. They don't know how to... Uh, stand in front of a group and say, this is what I do, whether it's your elevator speech or a, a full talk or a class or a radio interview. You know, I came from that acting background. So being in front of people is really natural for me and promoting myself is really natural for me. I'm not a get on the phone and call someone and do a cold call sales. I'm actually terrible at that. Yeah. But if somebody says, what do you do? I am really good and confident in telling them what I do. And my enthusiasm about that um, telegraphs that 
I'm good at it. So I've always been been really skilled in that way of of garnering enthusiasm for my business, for my practice, and for for what I do. And a lot of that was you know, that acting background, but also all that media I've done. Thank you for looking at my Wikipedia page. I don't know if anybody ever sees it. I'm so proud of it. And I don't know that anybody goes there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so you know, cool. the, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, um, it's, it's the, 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 the references at the bottom, you know, yeah. a, there, there is an abundance of that stuff. You know, it's impressive. It's mighty. Um, um, it's voluminous, you know, it's, it's great to see. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you mentioned your acting. You mentioned your acting a bit there. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, um, I've recently recorded a podcast with with another lady who had an acting background, and and she said that it influenced her work a little bit. I'm really interested yeah. to hear that it influenced the business side of things. Did it? Did it? Does it also influence and affect your 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 capacity and your ability as a therapist? Do you think? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely affected the business aspect because as an actor, you are your own business. And so you have to market yourself as such. So I think yeah. the proficiency I have at marketing any other practice that I have absolutely comes from the fact that I was at auditions constantly. And also, my God, let's face it, rejection. I don't have a problem with rejection. I grew up with rejection because <laughs> As a dancer, oh. as an actor, as an, you know, my, my God, if somebody says no to me, I'm like, eh, all right, because I can't take that personally. You know, I can't take that personally. I have a friend who I'd been chatting with online and he kind of disappeared for a while because he had all this stuff going on. He goes, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't care. You know, it's like, I don't take that as a rejection. It's like, hey, you had stuff to do, whatever. Uh, so that absolutely helps. People, we're so afraid of rejection. We're so afraid of failure. And to, you know, quote some, one of my favorite NLP suppositions there is no failure there's only feedback so the rejection thing taken care of but yeah absolutely as a hypnotherapist uh so much of what we're doing is improv you know i mean i get this woman in my chair who she's terrified to drive more than 15 miles away from her house i'm not reading from a script there is no script for i can't drive 15 miles away from my house i'm not a big fan of scripts unless i'm writing them on the spot on my own uh so that improv background, that creative background, that ability to weave a story and to use your voice, to use those pauses and those inflections and those, you know, um, to me, every session I do is a performance. Uh, and I typically have people come out of state and go, oh, my God, that was beautiful. You know, because I weave this tale, then I take them deep into that, whether it's the hot air balloon or, you know, I do a a lot of work with visualization and they love it. They love it. That's their favorite thing. They love my stories that I take them through to get them to where they need to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm, 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 I really enjoyed listening to you that, you know, that the way in which you communicated that, um, and in a short while, we're going to be speaking about, um, about a topic that you spoke of um, at the UK Hypnosis Convention. Um, and for now, though, um, where can people go to learn more about you and your work and your approach to hypnosis, Kathy? Yeah, so the best site just for me in general is kathygroover.com. And then uh, my hypnosis site is healingcirclehypnosis.com. And I'm here in Santa Barbara, California. So there's a little bit of info there. But yeah, kathygroover.com has links to all my talks and my books and all that kind of good stuff. So that's yeah. that's my main site. Yeah. Great, great, great. There will be links to both of those sites um, over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, go check them out. And we will be back with uh, some more from Kathy Groover in just a couple of minutes time.
I enjoyed that. Uh, more from Kathy in a short while. Before that, I just wanted to make a brief mention of something that, I'm, that I'll, I'll mention uh, more in coming episodes uh, and in coming months. Uh, you may or may not have heard, and I, I may or may not have mentioned it uh, every episode since uh, since it occurred. But I am now the proud organizer of the UK Hypnosis Convention, having taken over the reins of the event in recent weeks. Um, if you are a regular listener to the show, then you may be interested in being a speaker at uh, this year's upcoming convention. Um, the dates have just been announced announced as the 8th to the 10th of November. We've, we've, we've announced those. Um, um, and the applications for speakers opened a couple of weeks ago. So go and visit the website of the UK Hypnosis Convention and consider applying to be a speaker. We'd love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. Um, or if you know someone you think should be applying, give them a nudge in the right direction too. Um, 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 all I can say at this moment is that it promises to be um, um, a, a huge spectacle um, and, and, you know, such... Uh, uh, an awesome event in 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 the field of um um, in the field of hypnosis education, um, I'm, you know, I'm incredibly proud of what we've done in the short period of time already, and and I think we're really going to make it something um, um, that you want to be involved in. Um, Next up, um, we're going to have a look at our Hypnosis in the News stories. Um, we've got a couple uh, stories that I want to mention today that are featured in the media over the festive season, over the New Year period. Our first story um, is that Caroline Flack has revealed hypnotherapy helps her work out anxiety battles over Chicago role. And this is the story that featured in the independent national newspaper um, that, 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 that writes about Caroline Flack, who has opened up about her ongoing battle with anxiety and revealing that she attends hypnotherapy sessions to keep her mind focused. Um, um, so, so last week, uh, the, the television presenter, she appeared on ITV's Loose Women television program, and she revealed that she uh, booked in for uh, hypnotherapy sessions uh, in order to prepare for her current role as the character Roxy Hart in uh, the West End production of Chicago at the Phoenix Theatre. And she's quoted as saying, when I had eight days to learn the role, I went to see a hypnotherapist and he put my mind in the right place. This is what she told the TV show's panellists. And she said, everyone's different. If I'm going through a tough time, I can just call him and say, hey, can I come over and see you? Um, so she's the, the presenter of Love Island as well. And she said that she struggles with anxiety more than when she has, um, or, she, or she struggles with anxiety more when she has free time in between jobs, in between working. And she states, she, she states, weirdly, the anxiety got more when I'm not working. Work, uh, work takes away my anxiety. Doing live TV takes away anything else. Being on stage, I'm less nervous than just being me. Um, um, and, and, you know, I, I think um, um, this, 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 this is really interesting and, and really brave of her because she also opened up uh, in the media recently about suffering from depression. I think um, she gave a lot of, of, of really useful information online um, following her depression um, that began following uh, her winning Strictly Come Dancing TV show uh, back in 2014. Um, and she said, I, I couldn't get up and I just couldn't pick myself up at all that, that following year. That's what she told the Sun newspaper um, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of last year. And she said, antidepressants helped me get up in the morning, but they also made me numb. And she said she came off them after six months and she realised she was kind of, kind of feeling something was better than feeling nothing at all. 
Um, I spoke of that story previously on this show. Um, it was really good that she aired her struggles and raised awareness about depression because so many of the public, you know, not not us uh, uh, informed hypnotherapists, but many of the, the public will, will, will be thinking, you know, what on earth has she got to be depressed about? She has so much going for her. Um, so it's really good. And with this article, she highlights the value of hypnotherapy um, 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 with the application of um, um, using it with regards to treating anxiety. And um, I think this is a, an area that both, you know, my own personal experience and the evidence base tend to demonstrate. We can be really effective in helping people. So, you know, good luck. Caroline, long may your progress continue. Um, a second story is entitled, Can Hypnosis to Forget Someone After Breaking Up Work? Um, and, and it's a story that I see getting asked a great deal online, and the answers are very rarely satisfactory in my opinion. Can hypnosis um, help you forget someone? This was asked of Jack at the Guy Counselling website. Um, and he says um, that um, he's, he, he, he attempts to answer it in two parts. And, that, and, and the first part was based on his own experience with the use of hypnosis after he, he experienced a breakup. And the second part comes from a discussion that he had with a hypnotherapist in order to, to, to write this particular article and, and, and answer that particular question of can hypnosis help you forget someone? And he talked about he spoke about um, um, him seeking out the services of a hypnotist after he had, and I quote him, a super bad breakup with a girl around ten years ago, and he had been ghosted. So um, when I went and, and and googled what this meant, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties, so you know, ghosted is not part of my my everyday lexicon. Um, 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 but apparently, this means that the person disappears from your life, and this means no phone calls, no emails, no social media, and so on. Uh, anyway, Jack, having been ghosted, um, he saw a psychologist who did use hypnotherapy, but it was only a small part of their work together. Um, I've got to be honest, he actually gives a pretty good account of how things went, and it sounds very professional. He derived a lot of gain. Um, I didn't really go into the, the, the hypnosis aspect of it, and certainly um, um, doesn't really answer the question, can hypnosis help you forget someone? However, in preparation for this particular article, um, he spoke to a, a Dr. Greg Harms, who is a licensed psychologist in Chicago, Illinois, um, and also a certified hypnotherapist. Um, um, and, um, and, and, and he asked him, uh, can hypnosis help you forget someone such as an ex? And um, um, the licensed psychologist, certified hypnotherapist um, guy responds and says, and I'll quote him, Hypnotherapy alone isn't going to fix a broken heart. I wish it could, truly. But when it's combined with counselling, it can be beneficial. Um, he went on to share uh, and say, um, as a tool for coping, hypnosis is great for anxiety and for promoting self-care activities. But there's no such thing as a quick solution. And that was it. That's it. That's all he said. So for me, basically, he's just totally avoided the question, hasn't answered it at all. So, so thanks for that. Um, um, hypnosis, despite popular misconceptions, it's, it's no better at helping people remember or forget um, than the usual ways they would do so um, um, anyway. You know, you can perhaps amplify some of the conditions required within the mind to forget, um, and, you know, creating and recreating and magnifying confusion, distraction, overloading of the mind and so on. But full-blown forgetting is not really the realm of hypnosis. You know, I mean, 
when you're asking someone to forget, uh, um, um, very often people are kind of assuming that a memory is like a thing that can be unplugged or w- removed. Um, and, and it's not, you know, the, the process of memory is, is, it is just that. It's a process. We reconstruct memories and so on. And it's a process that we go through. And you can't really kind of inhibit someone's ability to do that process necessarily. Um, and, and probably... Um, 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 hypnosis is not the tool for doing that. There is a huge amount that we can do, but erase stuff, you know, actually erase stuff from people's minds using hypnosis. Well, that's typically the stuff of fantasy, sci-fi novels or, or mythological KGB experiments during the Cold War and so on. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion. And I welcome back uh, Kathy Groover. Um, Kathy is going to speak about a topic that she presents upon uh, regularly, hypnosis and visualisation and mental imagery. Um, it's, it's an important domain of the hypnosis field. So much of, of the research um, um, within the field of hypnosis revolves around using hypnosis in conjunction with mental imagery. So knowing about it in depth and detail makes a lot of sense to me. And Kathy raises some valuable points and offers up some freshness on some classic concepts that, that really put a smile on my face. So here we go. Here's this week's professional discussion with Kathy Groover. Enjoy. <music> So I'm back now, joined once again uh, with this week's guest, Kathy Groover. Um, and we're going to be talking about a subject that, that, that Kathy was speaking on uh, this year's UK Hypnosis Convention, which is the role of visualisation in hypnosis for healing. Um, Kathy, welcome back. First of all, just tell us a little bit, you know, how did your interest develop in this area, first of all? Yeah, you know, I started using visualization when I was actually in high school. Uh, it's something that's always gone with me. And because, you know, we talked about the whole acting background thing, um, creating stories and creating journeys was always something that I was was doing. I was also an only child, so I was really good at making up stuff in my head and going on those adventures sort of in my own imagination. And I realized that as I started studying hypnosis, you know, you can't really have hypnosis without visualization or imagery. You know, whether you take someone down a staircase or whether you're saying, you know, imagine a book in your right hand and picture balloons in your left, you know, we're always asking people to to see things in their mind. And so I realized using visualization could be a really powerful tool. And before I even knew what hypnosis was, I was visualizing. I was taught to do that probably when I was about 14 or 15. Uh, so it's something that just stayed with me. And I realize it's such a powerful tool, especially for healing and, and being that I work with a lot of um, medical patients, a lot of pre-op and post-op and, and pain patients, that the visualization and the imagery is just really key to what I'm doing with them. So I've, I've incorporated that really a lot in my sessions with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so tell us, tell us a little bit about, you know, is, is, tell us a little bit about your approach, you know, some of the, perhaps some of the key features of your approach and, 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 you know, what you actually do as far as visualization. Um, are, are there any kind of key specifics or characteristics or differences to the way in which you approach it? Well, you know, I don't know if there's any differences because I've not seen a lot of hypnotherapists or hypnotists specifically do visualization the way I do. Uh, But one of the things I make sure I do is I make sure I let them establish what's going on. Uh, You know, early on, I would say something like, you know, you're walking through the woods and you hear the leaves crunching beneath your feet. Well, maybe your woods didn't have leaves crunching beneath your feet, you know, so... (laughs) 
you or you know and there's beautiful clouds in the sky well maybe there aren't clouds in the sky uh so i learned that i have to be vaguely specific so um i don't want to program their vision maybe i'll talk about it ahead of time uh i do a lot of work with control room where you know we take people into to me what looks like an old-fashioned radio station and there's knobs and sliders and dials and they can turn down their pain and they can turn up their comfort and they you know uh, i do a lot of work with control room and i would always say you know you take the knob and you turn it down or you turn it up and then i realized you know maybe they don't have knobs maybe they have sliders maybe they have a computer screen Maybe they have buttons. Maybe they have a touchpad. So if I know I'm going to be taking someone into control room, I might ask them in advance, hey, I'm going to do this thing with you. I'm taking you into this room that looks like an old-fashioned radio station. Um, what does that look like to you? Do you think you want to have buttons or sliders or, or, or dials? Oh, definitely dials. Okay, great. So that way I note that, and when I take them into into the control room, I can say, find the dial marked pane and turn that down. Uh, because most people can go with the flow if I say dial and they see a slider. But, you know, I try to customize that and make that as specific as I can for them. So I want to get as much information about what I think they're going to see in advance. And then I craft that story around that. And I do that in a very improvisational way. Uh, you know, I had one woman tell me that her thing was paddle boarding and she would love to paddle board down this sort of gorge with these trees on the sides. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty much all I had. So I had her, you know, visualize herself paddling down that gorge. And then I had her sit on that paddle board and anything that she wanted to get rid of, I had her plop into the water and let it float away. Um, so I just sort of go with, no pun intended on that one, go with the flow, <laughs> go with the flow on, uh, you know, what they are seeing. And I make sure they're incorporating all of their senses because I'm very visual kinesthetic, but some people are more auditory. Some people want to hear the birds in the trees. They want to hear the ocean lapping onto the shore, uh, whereas others want to trail their hand in the sand um, and they want to feel that sun on their face. You know, so I make sure I put in as many senses as possible of, you know, take that deep in what does that field smell like? Do you smell flowers? Do you smell grass? Uh, sometimes if I'm doing, um, I actually do a mythic and archetypal journeys where it's a three hour session and they go on four to six journeys, depending on how, how intense they get with the visualization and mm. they meet wizards and swords and, um, they'll actually be answering me. So I'll say, you know, you climb the mountain and you come to the cave where the wizard lives. The wizard comes out. What does the wizard look like? Oh, she's got this funny hat on because I don't want to assume the wizard is a man. The mm. wizard might be a woman. You know, my wizard looks sort of like, every Disney wizard with the star and moon hat, yours might look like Dumbledore from Harry Potter, you know. No, no, so I, like, I'm strictly, strictly a Gandalf man. Ga I am I Gandalf man. If anybody asks me to think of a wizard, it's, you know, it's Gandalf. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's only one, there's only one wizard. Dumbledore, no, you know, I, I apologize. Oh, I apologize, but you know, you Potter. must, yeah, you must prostrate yourself at the feet of Gandalf Dumbledore as far as I'm concerned. No, Excuse I'm a, I'm team I'm team Dumbledore. Sorry, team Harry Potter here. <laughs> but I mean that's the but that's the thing. If I have my wizard in my head of what that looks like, I don't want to impose that on the person in my chair. Yes, so to right. me, you have to be you have to be really flexible as as the facilitator of that. And uh, I <laughs> I thought this was funny. I did a 
I did a session with a client and I wanted her to, and this is a, a Cheryl O'Neill technique from HMI, I wanted her to meet her whys. Um, and when I'm doing a lot of the mythic and archetypal journeys, the first session, I put them in their, their safe space and I let them create what that looks like that they can use anytime they need to in, in or out of the chair. And I have them meet their whys, which is this wise and loving part of themselves typically. It's you know a representation of that inner parent. Yeah that inner wise one. And I had this woman in the chair and I said, okay, and you're in the field and da, 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 da. And you hear this noise behind you and you turn and coming towards you is your wise and loving. What does it look like? And she said, it's a lobster. <laughs> it was all I could do to not laugh because I'm thinking seriously a lot. Okay, cool. And I said, okay, well, what color is lobster? And she kind of, as if I was a moron for asking says red. And I said, yeah. okay, Red Lobster. And here in the States, we have this most horrible restaurant called Red Lobster. So, you know, there's part of my mind going, oh, God, I'm thinking of this terrible seafood restaurant. Okay. So we go through this whole visualization, and she's walking and talking with, with Lobster. Uh, and we get out of session, and she looks at me, and she goes, what the hell's with a lobster? And I said, honey, I don't know. It's your subconscious. Isn't it amazing what it creates? And she says, have you ever looked into the eyes of a lobster? It's really freaking freaky. Um, and she was just beside herself with it but as the facilitator i have to go with all right she's seeing a lobster i don't know why she's seeing a lobster i don't know where that came from it's also not my job to interpret that um so she has to now sit with lobster and figure out why <laughs> what that means to her you know um so you as the facilitator just kind of have to go with the flow on that and not mock their you know what they're seeing and not be like no that's wrong um you ha it's yes and it's it's improv it's yes and what does lobster say to you you know so uh um, yeah I, I can i i can imagine i can imagine a sage lobster for sure for sure <laughs> I, i'm there with that i'm there yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, but you, you, looking in its googly eyes were a little creepy for her but I'm like, <laughs> yeah yeah right i can imagine that um um now, one of the things, one of the things that, that I'm guessing lots of people tuning in and listening to, and, and perhaps, yeah, I mean, you started talking about some of the some of the distinctions within people's senses and their kind of preferences, which I think, you know, the, the, the field of NLP has a little bit of responsibility for the fact that some people tend to believe or believe that they are less, less good with or less able with the the the, the visual component that they are with with you know kinesthetic and auditory you know and, and so on mm -hmm. um, um, um you know how do you cope with with people that you know when it's when it's such a kind of central central element of, of something that you're doing for example how do you cope with somebody who's insisting that they struggle to visualize yeah you know that's actually a thing it's called aphantasia yeah. and there are people who truly that if i say you know picture a cat in your head they can't and i have such an imagination and i didn't even i'm thinking how can you not picture a cat i can picture a cat and then make it blue and then i make it purple and then i can you know could draw faces on it because that's just that's how my brain works. Um, I actually had a client. She's, she had a horrible uh, fear of claustrophobia uh, to the point where she couldn't go into a public restroom and lock the door. She was terrified that she was going to become trapped in the bathroom. So this poor woman for years would be faced with someone walking in the bathroom on her. And saying, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I thought I locked it. Of course, she hadn't. She was just afraid she was going to get trapped in the bathroom. And so I started working with her. And we had this conversation. Actually, I knew her from dance class. We are talking about this in dance class. And she said, you know, I have aphantasia. And I said, I don't know what that is. And she said, well, I can't see anything. I can't visualize. And I had this moment of, oh, no. Like, how am I going to hypnotize you if you can't 
visualize. If you can't see yourself walking down those stairs, if you can't see the images that, oh my goodness, and I actually had this panic for a second, and I, I messaged a, a very experienced hypnotherapist friend of mine, and I'm like, help, I this person can't visualize, what do I do? And he gave me all these tips, which frankly, I didn't need any of them, because even though she couldn't see it in her head, you know it. Um, you know, just because you can't visualize an avocado doesn't mean that you have to Google what an avocado looks like every time you go to the grocery store to buy an avocado. There is an understanding of that. So even if you can't get the picture in your head, that doesn't mean you can't be hypnotized. And she was one of my best subjects. I mean, she would go under so fast and she um, made the change so quickly. I was actually very impressed with her given my hesitancy of, oh no, she can't visualize. What am I going to do with her? It was easy for her. It was very easy for her. So one of the things I say is visualize, imagine, picture, or pretend you're walking down the staircase. And I only say that once or twice because that's a long, it's a, a mouthful. But that way, if the person hears the word visualize and goes, oh no, I can't visualize, it doesn't pull them out of it. They can pretend, pretend you're walking down a staircase. We can all pretend. Or imagine you could walk around down a staircase. Or what if you could, what would that look like? You know, so it it becomes again as as the therapist and the facilitator, you have to tap into your creativity and your um in the momentness to be able to handle what those people throw at you. So um people who can't visualize it actually didn't seem to be a problem. I was I was impressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, 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 wh wh where do you see this going? You know, with regards to, to what you are doing, do you think this is something that you are, you're looking to develop your work in this area? Or do you think this is something whereby, you know, it, it, you're kind of where you need to be with regards to it, and you're looking at other things, and you're kind of bringing other things in? Is there a future direction to your work in this area at all? You know, I, I love working with the visualization. I mean, like I said, I've been, I've been doing it forever and I've seen it have such amazing effects on people, uh, you know, and studies are really supporting. I know you and I can completely nerd out on the studies. You know, studies are supporting that using imagery uh, as well as things like affirmations can, we can change our physiology. You know, we can improve sports performance. We can improve healing. We can boost our immune function. You know, I have clients that have actually seen uh, tumors and cysts and things shrink. Now, they've not completely gone away. So please don't not ever go to your doctor again and just sit around visualizing. Please continue your medical care. But if it helps 10%, if it helps 15%, hell, 5%. I mean, why would we not take that? You know, um, so I can see actually developing a program around the visualization aspect of it. I was so encouraged by uh, the attendance and the response that I got at the UK hypnosis conference. You know, I, I threw kind of threw that out there of I'm going to do this thing on visualization. And I mean, the room was packed and everybody was really into it and really um, excited about it. And I kind of thought we all did that. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And so I said, you know, how many of you use a hot air balloon? And everyone just kind of looked at me like I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, and I thought, oh, you don't all do this. Did I make that up? You know, because sometimes you forget, okay, did I hear that somewhere? Did I make that up? Apparently I apparently I made it up. I don't know. Um, but I put clients on a hot air balloon and anything they want to rid themselves of, that guilt, that fear, that worry, that, that resentment, that uh, any feelings, anything they want to leave, I have them toss those sandbags out of the balloon and the balloon gets higher and higher. They get lighter and lighter, freer and freer. 
And that is one of the favorite things that I do with my clients is that hot air balloon. Can I go back in the balloon? Yes, you can go back in the balloon. <laughs> you know, um, so I think developing a program around the visualization that I do, I think that's going to be my next thing. And, and I've really upped how much hypnosis I do. You know, I'm still a f in between all the speaking and the writing and stuff that I do. I'm still a full-time practitioner. And right now it's about 80% massage, 20% hypnosis. And I actually see flipping that. I would like to be doing more hypnosis and less massage. If for no other, if for no other reason, Adam, at some point my body's gonna go. Yeah, you're done with that because it's a very physical, strenuous thing. You know? Yeah, so it really is. It really 28, is. Twenty-eight, twenty-eight hours of massage a week is pretty much what I'm doing, and it's it's exhausting. So yeah. I, whenever I'm I getting, see... whenever I'm receiving a massage, my massage therapist um, is also a massage therapist for for, for AFC Bournemouth, and and, and to you oh, wow. that probably won't mean anything. Um, um but that that's a Premier League football team. Um, yeah. That's my local team where I live, and um, um and she is, and, and and she puts a lot into it you know um um and and you know how she does that all day every day it, it baffles yeah. me it baffles me yeah 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 so i i, I understand that i i hear you as far as that is concerned um um for sure <coughs> no no what, what, what so so with regards to um um, um, with regards to the the, the, the sort of healing component mm -hmm. of what you were doing then to one of the areas that I'm really interested in, are we talking, are we talking emotional healing here? Are we talking um, physiological healing? Are we uh, healing? Are we talking, you, you know, tell me a little bit about what, what we're talking about with regards to the healing component of, of the visualization that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's pretty much. I think it's pretty much a mainstream belief of, yeah, if you're having emotional issues, hypnosis helps. Uh, what I think we forget is that when you're having physical issues, hypnosis can help. And so I have done a lot of work with pain. I've done a lot of work with people who are heading into surgery, and we speed their healing so quickly. I mean, I had a woman with full-blown open chest, open heart surgery, valve replacement. She was out of the ICU in less than 24 hours, and she was into a step down room in about two days instead of five days. I mean, like we just sped that up so fast. Uh, the body is incredibly suggestible and susceptible to what, what we tell it to do. And one of the favorite things that I quote is in, in my talks when I'm talking about the power of the mind is uh, the, the cat dander thing. And they took 50 asthmatics and they put them in a room um, and they handed them blankets with cat dander on them. And they said, put this on your face. <laughs> These people did. And they needed their inhaler and they started wheezing and some needed an EpiPen. And they all, you know, a lot of them had this full blown asthma attack only to find out later that the blankets were brand new and had never been near a cat. Um, we have this amazing ability to change our physiology by what we're thinking about, by what we're saying, by what we're being told. Um, so if we go into a state of hypnosis and we turn our pain down, you know, pain is there to tell us something's wrong. So yeah. once we've acknowledged that that thing is wrong and we're going to go have it fixed, you know, before my toe surgery, I turned the pain off in my toe because I didn't need it anymore. I explained to my body, hey, okay, cool. Thank you so much for letting me know that there's an issue here. I'm getting surgery on this now. The issue has been acknowledged and is going to be taken care of. I don't need you to tell me there's pain. And I turned it off to which my husband said, oh my God, that's great. You don't need the surgery now. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I still have the bone spur. I just turned off the message units of that pain. You know, um, we have an amazing ability to do that. So with physical healing, you know, I had a, my favorite story and some, sometimes I tear up when I tell this. So let's see if I can get through this one. Um, 
Her name was Kathy. She was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, and you could actually see the tumors bulging out of her neck. I mean, she was just so sick, and she was terminal. We knew that. And she said... um, she was still coming to me for massage, though I couldn't do much with her. So I'd massage her hands and her feet, and I would do some Reiki on her, which is a hands-on healing. And I finally, one day, I said, you know, would you like to try visualizing? And she said, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And I said, okay, well, visualizing, it's really customized. Like, my visualization won't necessarily work for somebody else. So you have to customize this. I said, what would you like to visualize? And she collected angels. She had this house, Adam, that was just filled with angels from around the world. Uh, it was gorgeous. It looked like a cathedral. Mm. And I said, well, what if we would visualize angels swooping in and carrying pieces of the tumor away? Like, does that resonate with you? She said, oh, that sounds great. Didn't even hypnotize her. I mean, she was just in a relaxed state. And so I would play this beautiful music and I would do Reiki on her. And she was visualizing these angels coming in and just carrying pieces of the tumor away. And she started to feel better and her pain decreased. And she went back to the gym and she was walking on the treadmill very slowly, but she was walking and she started to have people over for dinner again. And she was getting parts of her life back. And I was so excited about that. And I seriously started to think, oh my God, like maybe we're shrinking this tumor. Like maybe this is actually working. So she goes back to her doctor and they do another scan to find out that not only was the tumor not shrinking, but it had grown and they gave her two weeks to live. Yeah. And I really wish they wouldn't have told her that because she was improving so much. I think had they just let it go, she actually probably could have squeezed out a couple more months. But they told her two weeks. The body's very compliant to that. And two weeks later, she actually did die. But before she died, she told me the only time she didn't have pain was doing that visualization. And what that visualization gave to her was a sense of control, was a sense of her making her choices in a situation, in an environment where – People were just telling her what to do, telling her what was going to happen next. The visualization gave her that modicum of control back into her life. And to me, that's a win. So we didn't find the yeah. cure for her, but we found her some healing. And, yeah. and you know, that's, that's, my, that's what our job is. You know, it's not always a cure, but the healing aspect, they're not mutually exclusive. So um, to me, that was a huge win, and that's one of my favorite stories, to show the power of what that visualization can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved hearing that, um, and I could tell. I could tell that you, you were really feeling, uh, you know, quite emotive as a result of of, of, of saying that. Um, 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 you know, but what a powerful experience, and what a what a lovely thing to be able to do to bring somebody, mm-hmm. you know, that close to the end of their life, some some comfort and you know a, a, a glimmer of light and and some hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Um, um, you know, I think that's just, uh, yeah, I think that's just lovely. Yeah. And I've also seen, you know, I mean, I've been, I've used visualization, like I said, since I was a kid and I, I had a cracked vertebrae that they wanted to either do surgery on or put me in one of those big plastic back braces for six to 10 months. And I healed my own vertebrae using visualization. I pictured this little construction worker who would walk up to my spine and he had this little caulking gun and he would fill in the crack every night. I would do this full visualization. Um, and, you know, darn it, if after two weeks I went back for the, the 360 bone scan and the doctor compared the x-ray and the bone scan and the crack was gone. Um, now, was that regression to mean? Was it going to heal anyway? I don't know. It was a pretty bad crack. Um, but whether it was just my body complying or with the power of that visualization or just luck or fate or I don't know. I, I you know, I, I don't have the blueprint to the universe, which I did. Um, mm-hmm. But I was able to, you know, heal things in my own body. And yeah. I've been able to do that forever. And I think we all can if 
we work at it and if we commit to that and if that's what's meant to happen you know I, I do believe that sometimes illness is part of our journey I hate to say that but you know I, I can't read anybody's uh, anybody's karmic blueprint so but we have to do the best we can at least yeah 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 um, um, it's it's so lovely it's so lovely I mean really lovely hearing you um, I'm, I'm speaking on this subject that you're clearly very very passionate about um, um, best places for people to go learn more about you and about this are kathygroover.com and the healing circle was it was it healingcircle.com uh, healing circle hypnotherapy healing circle hypnotherapy.com um, I'm, I'm all that is left really for me to say um, today, Kathy, thank you so much for coming and, uh, and being a guest on the show. Oh, I so appreciate you having me. I pre thanks so much. Enjoyed that. It was lovely speaking to Kathy. Um, there are links to Kathy's websites over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website and in the uh, episode notes at iTunes. On to this week's uh, evidence-based hypnosis factoid uh, of the week. Uh, isn't, isn't it? I, I kind of did a double then. Uh, this week's hypnosis factoid of the week. You know, you say one. One or the other of the week's thing. And in my mind now, I'm thinking, should I, should I just delete this and go back? No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's crack on. The fact of the week is this. A hypnotic-based animation video has a significant positive effect on stress and pain reduction in pediatric surgery. So um, um, pre-surgical stress and its negative influences on post-surgical recovery and pain are well documented in the medical literature. Hence, the reduction of stress is advisable, you know, for, for advancing healing and so on, something that we've been speaking about in today's show. So a 2018 study, you know, a um, 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 really recent study by Arnon, Hanan and Molina, um, um, entitled The Effect of a Hypnotic-Based Animated Video on Stress and Pain Reduction in Pediatric Surgery, aimed to reduce stress using a hypnotic-based animated video. And uh, 30 children um, 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 took part in this study, aged between 3 and 16 years old, um, all of whom had been hospitalized for ambulatory surgery for either um, um, undescended testes or umbilical um, inguinal hernias. Um, and they were recruited for the study. And they watched the video um, um, one time, just one time prior to the surgery in the presence of their parents and then reported their anxiety and pain. And pre and post video watching um, um, was measured on, on a visual analog scale and the results showed a statistically significant reduction in both anxiety and pain um, and it makes a fascinating reading I, you know I'd love to speak um, um, for hours on on the study and so on um, but that probably wouldn't make for very compelling reading uh, very compelling listening um, um, links to the the research paper um, included on the episodes page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, and if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, you can find masses of memes relating to the variety of studies, um, instrumental studies that, that I refer to, whereby hypnosis has been examined. Um, that's it for this week's 104th edition. I hope you enjoyed it. I do have many more exciting guests that I'll be welcoming to Hypnosis Weekly in coming editions. We will be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. Next time out I'm going to be speaking to Helen Mitas, um, um, Helen Mitas over in 
Australia. Uh, we'll be discussing all things hypnosis and business development, uh, talking about her mission to inform the world on the subject. Um, all the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode um, on the Hypnosis Weekly website or, or in, the, in, the, in the, the episode's notes at iTunes. Um, you can probably tell by my fumbling today that I'm a little bit full of cold. I have a head cold. Um, um, nonetheless, I'll be, I'll be back and in fine fettle next time out. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions. Do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again go to Kathy Groover. Uh, my thanks to you as always for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.